Welcome to the Cool Shift Podcast, dedicated to beer lovers, home brewers, and professionals alike. With your hosts, Warren, the Professor Wilson, and Matt, Zigmeister Ziegler. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to grab a beer and chill on the Cool Shift. Doing my best impersonation of impersonation. 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 <laughs> I was trying to impress you. Okay, okay, Sarah. Impersonation. No, it's George W. Bush. Get it right. I was making my best impersonation of Wolfman Jack, which you probably don't know, but I don't know if you remember. Yeah, Wolfman yeah, Jack. And what of course, you? Bob remembers because he remembers people from the 1930s. Yeah. But anyway, welcome back to the show. I wasn't born yet, but I have. <laughs> You might need to apologize Cultural for memory. the echo, because if you heard me right now, it feels like I'm like 900 miles away from this. Like, so. I think, yeah, I think you guys can, uh, if you guys heard our producer, he's, uh, he wants us to apologize for the echo. We bring you this show from Gnarly Brews. Yeah, Gnarly Brews, great in place. Phillipsburg, New Jersey, um, where they have a bunch of beer on draft and a, and a specialty bottle section where you can come in and buy your own beer and take it home with you if you want. But they have like 50 rotating draft beers. Um, you can come in and get flights of pints. And here and comes our good barkeep now. And retail bottle shop. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit further down the line. We're going to come in and uh, talk to you about what we're drinking today, uh, what we've been doing for the past month. And we apologize for not getting back to you sooner. I know our last podcast was early December. And that was uh, uh, a bit of a fun podcast, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Only 54 beers later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. It, it was a big beer drinking one. And, Four uh, beers too many. One beer one beer too many past one beer too many. Yeah. One be- <laughs> <laughs> if you can count on your hand, I don't think we could. Mm-mm. I think it was more like two and a half hands, right? Yeah, about Somewhere that. Somewhere around there. Um, but today is a little subdued, um, maybe. We're, we're still drinking big beer. Um, yes. And, you know, what I want to do this first segment is bring you back up to speed of where we are uh, with everything. We had our holiday dinner for NJ Hobbs, and for those of you that don't know, New Jersey um, organization of practicing Zimmergists, Homebrewers organization of practicing Zimmergists. We got together with our East faction, and we had a great time at this party. We had a lot of food. We had enough beer to suit an army. Um, How many kegs did we have there? Eighteen. 20 I thought there was was it 20 I think it was 20 I think there was 18 just on our side okay and then there's two from uh that's sour that was on he had two two over there so I think we had 18 up front of regular beer and then 25 gallon kegs that's a lot of beer (laughs) and maybe 35 dishes cooked with beer yeah Yeah. cooked with beer and tried to pair with beer um many many delicious things yep so if you're ever interested come by homebrew university the first Wednesday of every month, 7.30 p.m. 
and try out NJ Hops if you guys want to come and join some dynamic people in brewing. Yeah, it's a great, great evening. Just hanging out with, uh, you know, bring some homebrew if you got it. If you don't, just come by, learn a little bit more about something. It's just a fun night. Yeah, we have a great, really good time. There's probably right around 200 years of experience in that room alone. At least. Combined, you know, so. And we have some exciting news for this area of our state. Um, we have Matt Ziegler with us tonight. You all know him as Zigmeister. Matt, why don't you give us a rundown on where you are with your brewery and then talk a little bit about what happened this week that was kind of exciting and special. In my side, it was really good to see that camaraderie building between, you know, what had happened. Yeah, so uh, I guess where my brewery's at right now is, um, let's see, since last we talked, I finished my demolition. We have now ripped up our floors where we got to pour all our pipes, where we're going to put our trench drains down. It kind of looks like I was digging for buried treasure, although... Did you find any? <laughs> uh, in plus and minuses, no, I didn't. Uh, luckily, I didn't find any underground buried uh, dead bodies and or <laughs> wires, but I also didn't Jimmy find... Jimmy wasn't there? No, no. Uh, even if I found him, I probably would have buried him back again just so I didn't have to fill out the paperwork <laughs> and delayed my brewery opening any further. Um, but also no, uh, no, no strange beer. valuables. Yeah. So, Jimmy Hoffa bourbon stout. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, uh, nothing special underneath that ground, luckily. So we're just waiting now for uh, some stuff to go on with the town. I need my uh, construction permits, and then we can start laying pipe. I can fill the floors back in. Hopefully my... Did you say laying pipe? Oh, we're going to lay pipe. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> You've been waiting a long time to lay that pipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys. <laughs> so... So we're going to fill the floor back in after that. Derailed. Derailed. <laughs> okay, you know what? I've done it now. Okay, um. So your, your estimated start date, I know everyone I mean, asks we've, all the time. I, th I think I've mentioned it a couple of times. We're still hoping for April, but we, it's a we're going to target. We're going to have, I believe we're going to have all of our construction side done. Our tanks will be in by, um, by a month from now. Everything will be set up probably mid-March. And that's when I'll start brewing, uh, ideally, and be open for April. It really is going to depend on state and federal licensing as to if those come through in time for me to start brewing. So the last-minute thing is the, like, be able to open the doors. Face the mic, please. Is you, that's, that's you our need third, permission to open the doors. Our third, wheel. our third wheel here <laughs> who constantly nags us about useless information. Yeah. Bob, yeah. welcome back to the show. It's Bob, been yeah, quite a while. crazy man. So good to be here. <laughs> I'm so appreciated. Uh, yeah, I mean, once, once I start brewing in March, it's going to be about a month before I can open. Or once I start brewing, it'll be a month before I can open. So ideally, if I can start brewing by mid-March, I can be open by... Mid-April, um, but like I said, depends on a few other factors and when I can get my license. Uh, so that's a bit on, on what, what's been up for the brewery lately. Uh, but I guess what Warren was also saying is uh, just earlier this week, up the road in Hackettstown, uh, Jersey Girl Brewing Company just got their equipment in. And uh, they gave me a call the other day when I was over at Home Brew talking with Warren about a couple of recipes and stuff. And... Um, they wanted some. Uh, <clears throat> they wanted some assistance on pulling up the or setting up their tanks. So I said no problem. Um, at the time, my car was getting an oil change and whatnot, so I couldn't drive over there. But he's like, "If I come down and pick you up, you think you can come over here?" I'm like, "Sure. Why don't you come on down?" So he stopped on down to the place, picked me up, and I spent pretty much the rest of the evening over there helping them uh, 
pick up all their tanks. They had their 30 barrels and 60 barrels up there, and they were very appreciative because they'd never lifted up tanks before and set them up. So. How do the tanks look? They look great. <clears throat> they just, uh, today, uh, they got their last few fermenters and bright tanks in, and I went over there this afternoon just to help them set up those last few, and now they have their whole tank row in. It looks, it looks great. They're, they're getting their brew house in tomorrow and then their kegs as well. Wow. So, so they're moving right along. So this, they are. This whole week, they're going to have everything done by Friday. Yeah. Uh, all, their, all their stuff will be in position by right. Friday, and then they have to pipe everything together. Now, I heard uh, somebody was hired for part-time brewing or assistant brewer, but I'm not sure if they've hired a uh, mean brewer. You might have tagged that out of them a little bit more. I don't know, because he was kind of reluctant to give he's me still He's still looking um, for uh, a main brewer for, the, for, the, for Jersey Girl. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're probably, they narrowed it down. They have somebody in mind. I think they have someone in mind. It's just picking that person i know they they had a person a little while ago but because of delays and stuff that person i think ended up picking up another position somewhere in, in the wait time but I, i'm pretty sure they're 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 on their way to choosing a, a person awesome so and sitting here at gnarly brews when you come down in phillipsburg it is um 224 stockton street right down in the heart of phillipsburg Maybe by March or April or May, you'll be able to come down here and get a pint or two of Zygmeister Brewing and Jersey Girl Brewing. Yeah, they already got some other uh, local Jersey beers on tap. Angry here. Eric's for one, and I think Demented Brewery is... Demented, they got Crooked Hill, I think, on tap. Crooked Hill, yeah. So I know uh, Ray is very proponent of having local stuff on draft, and hopefully maybe Manskirt will also be on draft here pretty soon. Yeah, just got to keep up with production and get some <clears> stuff out a little further. Yeah, yep, and... I think he's working towards that. Yeah, that's his goal. Um, something really cool happened just the other day, too. We uh, we got a magazine in called Edible Jersey, and in that magazine there are four four breweries. Uh, it says Beer Town is the article, and it just goes through Joe's place, which is Manskirt, my place, which is Homebrew University, Zigmeister Brewing, and Jersey Girl Brewing. Great article. Great information. If you have a chance, if you can't find it, come to my shop, pick up your magazine. But go out and get an edible jersey and read that article. It's a fantastic article. Don't you agree? Yeah, no, they did a great job on that article. Very happy with it. Um, I, I picked up, I think, 10, 10 copies from you. I've already been handing them out to family and uh, some other friends it's as well. It's pretty exciting, so. man. Yeah, it's it just is. like uh, surreal almost. Not every I mean, day. Not promoted the podcast on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, jeez. Do I hear somebody talking? Yeah, I think there's I, somebody. That, there's a fly There's in the some side. kind of fan in the background going on over there's here. Yes, there is an echo. Yeah, yeah. Echo. <laughs> um, yeah so we brought you back now. We are pretty right on track to where we want to be. Uh, anything else new happen with you, Bob? Did you have a good, good, uh, good Christmas? Good December? Oh, yeah. Good December? I mean, the party was awesome. This is the um, the New Jersey Hops Christmas party. Of what you can remember. Uh, yeah. You remember having your shorts on while you were dancing on the stage? I do remember that. Yeah, I always okay. remember. We put some tassels Good on venue your tatas. dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and, me and Bob were dancing around there for a little bit. <laughs> I think that was actually, was that? Yeah, that might have been on video. On so number. to give you a little bit of background <laughs> of what's going on with this show, um, we're going to take a break in a few short moments. But first, we want to bring you... Uh, to this beer that we're drinking right now. It is a barley wine from 
free will. It's called Bone Saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the demographics are on this. Do you have any idea what the ABV on this is? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so I would, I'd have to say it's at least over nine. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah I would say so. It's definitely a nice uh, barley wine. Yeah. But just to reiterate, we're at uh, Gnarly Brew sitting without information in front of us. So we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. I think Bob just went up to get some demographics of that beer. But um, I like this. I dig this. This yeah. is nice. It's nicely uh, nicely done. It's dry. It's not cloyingly sweet. It's got it's got a sweetness to the background, but it definitely has a dry finish to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a nice body to uh, nice body to the beer. Yeah, good uh, good mouthfeel. Now, is this aged in oak at all? I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm getting that either. So. Man, I feel like I, we're really flying by the seat. Yeah, answer. we are. No, but this beer, I think we are. It's it's a nice beer. It's got um, copper in color, almost like a tawny brown. Mm-hmm. Um, very little head retention. I think it's because it's just such a big beer that it doesn't have that much head retention. No lacings on the sides of the glass. No. Um, yeah, if you can get the demographics for us, we'd like to... 9.6%. Okay. 9.6. 9.6. Okay. almost hit it right on Do you know head. if it's... Uh, does it say that it's aged on oak at all? I don't think it is, but I'm... I'm not getting wine out of this at all. I mean, I'd get a definite sour taste from the pseudobacter, but I'm not getting any of that. Yeah, no, it's a very nice, very nice, easy drinking, surprisingly. Yeah, it's not that burning. You get some heat in the back there, but... When it gets down to your gut, you got the heat. Yeah, but it's it's a very nice, very nice barley wine. So to lay out the show... um, we're going to bring you three more of those types of beers. We're doing kind of a big beer thing. Yeah, normally when, you know, we're, we're trying to do the show, it, it's we pick a certain style and we go out and get this. But now because we're we're at a bar, um, we kind of looked through their list on what they had and tried to pick out the the most common, common denominator. Among, yeah, yeah, among all the beers on there. And it seemed to be uh, big beers, just yep. bigger, higher alcohol. And I felt that, you know... It fits with that this time of year. You're, you're it's going, winter, yeah. You're going it, for bigger ales. You want something to so warm we'll, you. So we'll give that a talk, talking to. Um, <laughs> so what is the barley wine? Oh, well, okay. so barley wines. It's a That's a hard one to answer because it's it's re- usually referred to a beer that has over 8% alcohol in it. Now, it could be anything um, that has... It's, it's a designate because it's wine strength beer. That's why they call it a barley wine. But for the most part, barley wines are almost like double-double IPAs. <laughs> you can think of it as like a quad IPA. Thank you. Oh, it's aged on a Pinot Noir barrel. Okay. I'm not getting any wine flavor from it at all. Huh. You know? No. So it's, it's a bone saw is a Pinot Noir barrel aged barley wine. Very malty. I would say it's probably characteristic of bread and caramels is the malt right up front. Uh, and then, you know, it's got a nice assertive bitterness, but that bitterness is basically just bitterness. It's almost like the uh, pale ale version of an imperial stout. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's what, I, you know, I can't really put my finger on what a barley wine is. Well, to me, what a barley wine would end up being is you take your base malt, kind of like what you were saying from like a pale ale or something like that, and you bump it up like crazy until you hit your above 8 9%. Right. Um, you really don't want to bump up your hops too much. Uh, you I don't really balance. like to balance out uh, my hops with my malt. I like to get the malt a little bit more forward. But you're really not adding a lot of caramel malts. You're not adding a lot of specialty grains into something like this. You're 
you're just using the fact that you're you're using so much base malt mm-hmm. and it gives you that malty flavor. You don't want to add you don't want to get like caramel notes from caramel special because if you use too much of that, you get a really, really cloyingly caramel sweet, sweet beer. Right. Absolutely. And when you're using this much base malt, you don't you don't want to do that. Yep. I mean your base malt could be anything from pale, pilsner. You can do a wheat, but that would be called a wheat wine. Um, you can do Vienna and Munich as your base. Munich but would be pretty, it's pretty sweet, pretty heavy and sweet once you once right. you start using something like exactly. that. Exactly. Like so, if I if I were to brew this and I were to use Munich, I would go probably as high as eight percent. Wouldn't go yeah. any higher no, than I that. No, I wouldn't either. Vienna malt probably eight and a half, eight to nine. Um, but then you know, base malt I would go nine to ten, all the way. Even with wheat, I would do that. With Pilsen, I could probably go even higher, ten eleven. Um, just because of the flavor of the malt. Yeah. What, what kind of hops? How many IBUs? What kind of yeast? High bittering type hops. Yeah. Um, something with the more rounded bitterness as opposed to a sharp bitterness. Maybe like a Magnum or a Warrior as opposed to a Columbus. Uh, you're not going to want that hop flavor to be coming through. You want those malt flavors to be showcased. So you're probably only going to throw it in a 60 minute. You're right. not going to be doing late edition hopping. Uh, your yeast on there, probably an American or an English strain. You don't want to really go Belgian or German or anything along it those lines. the beer, Because yeah. it's going to just change the quality of the beer. Well, it'll change it to a quad. You use Belgian, it'll change the bubblegum flavor and it'll make it yeah. more of a quad-like like beer. Yeah. Um, I like your Colum- I don't like the Columbus in it. I like your choice of Magnum and Warrior. But I would even go as far as even a little bit lower IBUs. Even a Centennial might work. Mm. No, but you're just going to have to use a lot more of it. Actually, I think you just brought up a really interesting point, which is the idea of you can take a recipe, right? And that recipe is a barley wine with one kind of malt and yeast and with the exact same grain bill, but a different type of malt and yeast. yeast. It's now a quad or oh, whatever. Absolutely. Yep. You, can, you can take a, uh, let's say you wanted to start off with an English barley wine. You have uh, 50% pale and maris otter malt, uh, to make it 10% or something like that. And then you're rounding out the background with just a little bit of, of bitterness there to balance it off, but not too much, say, uh, let's think off the top of my head here. Um, how high would a gravity be on a 10% beer? Uh, uh, OG. 1090? Yeah, 92, 95. Okay, so there. I'd probably be looking at around 45, 50 IBUs yep. in the background from a, maybe a Magnum. Uh, on the bit on the bitterness. Yeah, you're uh, looking for a 60 minute edition, and then I'd just you know maybe throw in maybe a pinch of actually you know what I'd probably just leave it I'd probably just leave it as that I'd probably no aroma hops no I'd I, probably leave Magnum and just do those two base malts for it. But then if you were to take something like that and you say okay you know that's my that's my British version of my barley wine now I want to say okay make an American barley wine I'd keep the exact same grain bill and now I just change my hops sure. on it. And maybe I put a Columbus onto there for for a beginning hop, and then add something a little bit later. Because an American barley wine is very close to what some people would consider like a triple IPA. Right. You're pushing out that hop flavor. You're pulling a little bit more hop flavor in, yeah. and then kind of also like what you said before, if you change the yeast style, we're back to now the British barley wine. You have the exact same bitterness on it, exact same malt bill. Change the yeast over to a Belgian Trappist style yeast, and you got yourself a a Belgian dark strong, strong. Yeah. yeah, Belgian strong ale. Yeah, I mean I agree, and in. We talk about, you know, he said 45 IBUs. If you, if you noticed, 45 was almost half of 92 or 95, almost half. Now, on a scale, if you were to take the BUs, which are bittering units, and divide them into the gravity units, you get a ratio, and that ratio tells you how bitter or how malty your beer is going to be. And 50 on that scale gives you a balanced beer. 
Then we talked about being less than balanced. You want to be somewhere in between 40 and 50 for, for the barley wine. At 45 with a 92 IBU or GU scale, you're looking at somewhere around in the middle of the road. So you, you have enough of the upfront bitterness to offset the sweetness of the malt that you're getting because you're using a ton of malt. And you want to make sure that you have that balance between your hops and your malt. We've talked about this on other shows previous where you need the beer making is all about balance and you want to make sure that you can achieve what that style calls for in the balance and i think you hit it right on the nose when you said you know that's it right there yeah so. what temperature might you recommend is that you're going to want this a little bit of a cooler temperature um especially if you're doing an english or an american style uh because of the high alcohols uh, that you're going to be getting later uh getting from so much sugar in this beer you're going to want it to ferment a little bit slower if you ferment it quick, you're going to get a lot of fusel alcohols. You're going to get that heat, that booziness in your beer. So you're going to want to do, um, you know, maybe 64 to 66 degrees on a ferment. Let it go an extra week, uh, extra week or two. And then maybe even after you bottled it, uh, condition it in the bottle for a little bit of time. Uh, let, it, let it rest for a couple months. Uh, it'll age and round out really well. Yeah, you, you, you ferment high, you're going to get vodka in your beer and that's not what you want you you ferment too low you're gonna put the beer the yeah. yeast to sleep yeah. it's it's a game i mean you have to make sure that you hit that 64 66 degrees and maintain that temperature because if you don't your your yeast gonna be going to sleep you're gonna over attenuate you're not gonna under attenuate it's gonna be very sweet or you're gonna over attenuate and become very hot and what we call hot is that alcohol flavor can you raise it late or will it still fusel on you if you do that Usually it's the beginning temperatures when you get the fusels the most. Um, the you, temperature fluctuation in the beginning of your ferment gives you most of those fusels. off flavors. Right. So you can, you can condition it cold or make sure you're maintaining temperature from the very beginning from 64 to 66 for maybe three, four days. And then after that, just you know, let your temperature do whatever it wants. And then it's pretty much fine. Um, that, something like that will go along with a lot lagering diacetyl rest to be able for that yeast right. to be able to pick up the stuff toward end as it's starting to kick off. Or end your ferment, fermentation. Um, yeah, but that that beginning is going to be your most crucial step. That's when fermentation is going to hit hard, and it's just going to start. Uh, you know, it's going to want to ramp up to seventy-two to seventy-six degrees, and you're going to want to maintain it down there. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's, yeah. it's not an easy beer to make. No, but it's not a hard beer to make. It's just a lot of uh, a lot of your attention. It's one of those attention whores. Yeah, you're going to want, want to give it a little more attention when right. you're looking at your ferment. Now, this is the, the bone saw has a really nice palate to it. It doesn't have that heat. It doesn't have that heat. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're, gonna, we're trying to get somebody else to come in and sit on us. He's <laughs> sit been on, on He sit on me. He's going to sit on me. Sit on, on me and spin. So this is, this <laughs> there you go. <laughs> sit and spin. Um, he's wearing his... Uh, yes. Actually, our, our new president. Our reigning president. Um, uh, NJ Hops, Chris King. Welcome, Chris. Hello. Thank you. Hey. Did you have the uh, the free will? Bone, yes, I did. I just finished saw. it. Fantastic. You know, the, the bone saw is in that, and I want to call it bone skin or bone something, and it just reminds me of boner. And I, I don't know if... <laughs> I wasn't really getting that when I was drinking it. You know, foreskin, bone skin, <laughs> bone saw, free will. Oh, come on. Wow. This, is, uh, this is all about it. So you did. You did have the bone skin. Yeah, yes, I did have the bone saw. Yep. It, was, uh, it was a fantastic beer. I loved it. Yeah? What mm-hmm. did you like about it? 
I'm it, putting you on the spot right Put me on the spot, but yeah. I love that it was very, very smooth going down. Right, no oh, burn yeah, sensation. Yeah, no burn. Right? It was, it was, it was, it was a, uh, the malt character coming out of it was, was uh, really nice. It was just, it, it was very smooth, very, very malty, a little bit sweet, but not overly sweet. And right. it kind of was very balanced with the, with the alcohol content. Right. Nice 10%. Beer. Yeah, really nice beer. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking about how, you know, this isn't an easy beer to make. Uh, have you ever made one, Chris? No, I haven't no. done a barley wine yet. Right. There, it's not an easy beer to make, but it's not a hard beer either. It's by all means, during fermentation is the most important part. And obviously, building up your yeast cell count before you pitch is also important too. Yeah, you don't want to go into that with a low cell count or tired yeast or low, or, you know, crappy yeast or anything like that. Nice, healthy yeast. Mashing schedule. Oof. Um, oh, single infusion. Stuff at us, why don't you? No. <laughs> okay. So the question was, what what mash schedule would we use on this? And you know, nowadays um, we say this all the time too. Barley's been so highly modified that you could do a single infusion. I would probably stick somewhere around 155, 156 with this mash, just to get that flavor of the malt in uh, a little bit higher. In the mash yeah, schedule, you, you, you could also go want a good, a good body, right. good good mouth feel mm-hmm, with this right. too, which is one of the yeah. other things I really like about this. Yep, 154 to 156, and I do a uh, thicker mash onto it. Right, you do with like a one to one ratio on that. Probably one to one. One quart of water to one pound Actually, of grain. I'd uh, probably one liter to a pound. Okay, utility, utility, lee So that's a good point. Why, wow, that's why even thicker because that's only hmm? point one. Um. We all like it thick, that's yeah. why. Everybody likes it thick. Uh, <laughs> thick mash tends to accentuate your malt flavors a little bit more. Um, I think it just, the way um, the breakdown happens within the mash, the, way, the activation of the enzymes and everything, it's just a little too close together to Get everything. break it down as quickly as it could if it was slightly a bit thinner. Right. There's... There's like that sweet spot in the mash with the the thickness of it. If you're too thin, the enzymes have too far to go to break down everything. And then you also get a wateriness later on. You don't get a lot of flavor to it. And if you go thicker, you get a little bit more malty, caramely flavor to your to your beer just because it it's too thick for the enzymes to move quick enough. Right in between there's your sweet spot where every all the enzymes can break around, move around, do whatever they got to do and break stuff down. So here's an analogy for you. It's like sex, right? You're too close to your significant other and you can't push any for it's no more fun. Too far apart, you're not reaching. So it's that nice little distance right next to each other that gets you. You're really reaching for this stuff now, aren't you? I am. I have, I have to. I have to go there. You're like literally. So it's probably a fair bet that Budweiser is not a thick mash. The, it's, it's a fair bet that Budweiser probably doesn't mash at all. No, I'm kidding. No, they, no. no Budweiser's a good beer. Um, they do put out constant beer so uh and it's all the same all the time they do constantly the, put out beer yeah the, the <laughs> consistently constantly yeah it's consistent in the quality <laughs> control they have for what they're looking for yeah, it's, is it's actually really good yeah, it's, it's hard it's hard to imitate that at an industrial scale like that that's actually a pretty in, incredible yeah. feat that but they're when, doing when you have all that money though i mean that's nothing that's not hard to do you throw a billion dollars at a brew system you can pretty much nail anything you want <clears throat> Uh, when you win you, the lottery, you can make Budweiser. Yeah, when you win that $1.5 <laughs> billion, dollars, and then you can laugh at Lagunitas, not Lagunitas, uh, what's the other one? Ballast Point. Ballast Point, and say, ha you got $1 billion? I got $1.5. <laughs> They'll yeah. be like, yeah, but most of yours went to Texas. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they'll laugh at me and go, yeah, but we're making great beer and you're not. 
So, sad news. All right, so. Okay. I will make great beer with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have 1.5 billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta build a nice brewery. <laughs> That's it, but it, that beer would be for me and my personal consumption only. No, okay, so m- moving on. We got some beers to taste later on. Um, when we come back from our break, we're gonna talk to Ray, the owner of Gnarly Brews. And we'll move on from there. We're going to ask him some poignant questions. Hopefully, he's going to be willing to answer. And we're going to talk about a beer that he wants to drink tonight. So stay tuned. We'll be back in two and two. Somewhere in Phillipsburg. Um, Ray, you want to say where we're at? We're on Stockton Street. Stock- 224 Stockton Street to be exact. Thank you. You know better In Phillipsburg. Uh, that zip is 08865. Um, we have about 150, 100, no, I'm sorry, 50 beers on draft. He's got, like, I would say, over 100, 200 types of beer here on premises. Um, close to it anyway. I mean, yeah, there's a for great sale. selection for sale. Um, and thank you for having us today, Ray. No, I'd love to have you. Uh, we're here today because we want to promote your store, your tap room, so to speak. This place is huge. Tell us a little bit about your uh, ambition here, your vision as to why you wanted to open up a tap room. Well, going back, um, I would figure eight years ago there were no craft beer places in Warren County at the time, uh, which was rather disappointing that you actually had to leave the county to go basically anywhere for good beer. Um, a lot of that's changed. Uh, there's now good beer. You're able to find in Hackettstown, Washington, and Phillipsburg, of course. Um, I guess the, the biggest thing is, is when we started to think about doing this two years ago, we really had a philosophy about bringing in just straight craft beer to one place. Bring a lot of it, bring very good beers, um, we basically don't support commercial beers, so there's none in-house. Um, it's just the way we are, and it, it makes it a little bit slower for us because, you know, we're not a craft beer bar that does sell, you know, mixed drinks and Budweiser and Coors. We are just specifically independent craft breweries. Well, you know, I commend you because it's not an easy feat. Um, having met you about two years ago when you came into my shop, you, uh, your wife Peggy, and your daughter Megan were so emphatic about bringing better beer and learning about how to make great beer. And I know you gave your your wand a twirl at home brewing there for a little while. Didn't do so good. No, uh, you, you didn't do. <laughs> you didn't do. I, I disagree with that. You didn't do so badly. Um, I've had a heck of a lot worse um, with with people that just throw things together and try to make something of it. You, on the other hand, you took your time, you learned about the beer, you actually went a little bit above and beyond. Um, home, the, the average, well, I shouldn't say the average because when you get bitten by the homebrew bug, you get bit pretty hard. Yes, and obviously, you, <laughs> you got bit pretty hard because you have this ginormous story here now. Um, what a great facility. 
Uh, it's huge. It's got, uh, I think, something like 6,800 square foot. Is that right? 6,200, yeah. 6,200 square feet of space, and the bar is actually gorgeous. You sit anywhere around the bar. Uh, on the other side of the bar, there's a lot of games that you could play. you got... Uh, do you have shuffleboard? Do you have... I'm thinking about that one. Yeah, okay. So he's thinking about shuffleboard. I know he has... Like quates, bean, quates, bean bags, hole. cornhole, same thing. Um, ping pong. Foosball and ping pong. Yep, so it's a great time. You want to host a party here? I know you just did one today. Come down to see Ray. He, he can put you up for it. But i got to ask this question. Oh, no. You don't live in Phillipsburg. No, I don't. Why Phillipsburg? Uh, it, was basi- it was basically a specific license. Uh, we needed a C license so that we didn't have to have a kitchen. Uh, we took basically a note out of southern places, which are not, you know, just basic tap rooms with play areas, you know, basically being big kids instead of just going in your bar, sitting at the bar, leaving. Um, now I'm starting to forget the damn question. No, well, well, I said uh, why fills were, but strictly speaking, that sea license only allows you to serve beer. Is that correct? No, I can do pretty much everything. Oh, you can. You can serve alcohol and spirit, or you can serve yes. wine and spirits. I only have. But no food. Oh, no I can f- do. I could do food if I. If you want you to know, put a kitchen. To, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, That's a whole other ball game, though, man. Yeah. I need to think about that. Mess. We didn't want the headache. We didn't want people leaving here disappointed. Uh, you go through a lot of chefs. If you don't find a right chef could kill you basically in the first year uh, we knew what we were doing with the beer side of it so why not just go with that right so I, I assume that peg is on board i know that you have a love i know she has a love she and you put on uh the longest running beer festival in warren county yes we um, did and that's coming up at the end of january you yes, want to talk is. a little bit about that as well um eight years ago we being avid beer festival goers. Hold on, eight years oh. ago. So this is this is before the boom that ever occurred in this area. Before I started homebrewing. Yeah, it was before you were probably born. <laughs> oh, yeah. said so. <laughs> <laughs> you set yourself up for that, that one. That was just a glitch. <laughs> but this is this is eight years ago. Um, I started yeah, homebrewing around leave, twenty. Guys. Okay. <laughs> I started brewing around twenty-one years ago, and there was a big, huge boom back then, and it kind of faded. Right. And Chris, uh, our president, also knows that boom as well. But um, eight years is a long time. You're talking 2007. Yes, 2006, we are. somewhere around there, you know. And uh, that's pretty commendable to have that kind of vision and to be where you are today. So let me put you back on track. Where are you guys going with this beer festival? Um, okay, the beer festival is basically for, it's a fundraiser for helping the elderly in Warren County. Um, through visiting homemaker service. We started this because there was no, back to the same thing, there was no good beer in Warren County. And we figured if we started a beer festival, which we went to a hell of a lot of beer festivals, that maybe we could get people to start looking at, you know, bringing some into their restaurants, get people to go in to their favorite drinking places and say, hey, how about putting on Sierra Nevada at least? Uh, so it was kind of our thing to bring it here, but also on the other side of it, raise money for a good cause. Right. And that's, you know, beer and raising money go hand in hand. I mean, you bring alcohol into any kind of raise fun, fundraising event, you're going to make some good money. And I, I think you guys did pretty well over the last eight years or else you wouldn't be doing it again if you didn't. Um, I was uh, able to partake two years ago in this beer festival and what a great time. There was such good selection of beer. 
It's funny, uh, that brings up a point. Um, this, that was probably a precursor to what you guys have today, no doubt. Yeah. Um, some of that kind of enthusiasm fed into this, and you can see that you take great care in what you bring in and what you love to brew, what you love to serve people, and bringing that awareness to a lot of people is great. But if you think back eight years ago, <laughs> what kind of beer did you bring into that festival that was great? I mean, it's. I bet you. Do you have a beer list from that 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 first ever, and compared to what you guys have today? Because I know it's got to be different. It, it, well, the thing was, is the only distributor at that time was high grade that would even recognize us and do something like that. Sierra <laughs> <So> Nevada. <laughs> so it, it was pretty diverse the first year. I think a lot of people were disappointed in some ways. Uh, they don't understand that we aren't a brewery, so we don't have like you know like you go to a brewery to a beer festival they're interconnected so sure. they get a lot of different stuff right uh we had to basically work our asses off to get stuff together and um i don't remember exactly what was on at that time but it was okay it was just getting something started and you figure at that time people weren't inclined to drink good beer in the first place so it was kind of a good opening for some people who had never you know, segue drank anything. into getting into oh what is this craft beer crap yes and it's not it's craft beer greatness um, correct me when I say crap um, it's funny you should say uh, I want to go back to something that you said earlier in this um, we were talking about the types of beer that you want to bring in here uh, you don't go with the commercial as of late um, there has been a, a shift or some kind of a movement that's going on with what we call the BMCs, the Bud Miller Coors companies of the world, to purchase up uh, smaller, not so small, but smaller craft beer uh, entities. Um, Lagunitas being one, um, Ballast Point Ballast being Point. Annoying, another. Breckenridge, Breckenridge. Yep. yes they did. I didn't realize I needed yeah, yeah, Heineken uh, bottom. So, so Lagunitas was the first, the, was most, the first largest purchase. It was five hundred million dollars, and then about a month, that was um, uh, um, Heineken. Heineken brought bought them Ltd. Um, and then Ballast Point just got bought up for one billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. I mean, I've never seen that number in my head. How, that's a picture, lottery number. That's, that's a lot of, <laughs> lot of zeros behind that one. But InBev actually had to pay that out to Corona or Constellation. Yes, yes. So that they could separate their ways. Right, and now in, uh, InBev is now trying to acquire Miller, who now has to sell off a lot of its entities. Um, but it, would you still entertain carrying Lagunitas? Or would you still entertain carrying Ballast Point? Is there a cutoff at which you think that now they be, become part of the the machine that they don't get recognition anymore? You know, this is basically this is an ongoing thing because I will no longer put Breckenridge on tap. Okay. I won't put Ballast Point on. Actually, I have two six packs. I wish people would buy them uh, <laughs> to get them out of here. I I think somewhere along that line. I mean, I don't carry. Samuel Adams and Yingling, because I basically call them pizza parlor beers. You can get them anywhere. But I would put them on. I'm not afraid of them. 
uh, but I've watched what InBev's done over the years, so I tend to stay away from that whole beer, what would you say, uh, philosophy of theirs. It, I, I don't. Uh, we call it that bottom line brewing, where they're just worried about the bottom line and not, yep. not worried about producing great um, beer anymore. A lot of people go in and say, well, the beer doesn't taste any different. Why are you so against it? I understand that the beer can still taste good, but it's what they've been doing for the last 25 years that I've been drinking beer, making it harder and harder for access to independent breweries. The big guys, yeah. Yep. And so my thing is, is if I don't have any of their stuff on tap, I can get smaller breweries to be on tap here. Sure. Um, I you're think- the, You're the underdog tap. Un, yeah, yes, the, under, the underdog, yes. yeah. You know, um, I think Ray's got a point there. Unfortunately, or fortunately, if you get into the business and you have a good product and you're producing lots of turnover with your product and people are enjoying your product, and someone came to you and said, I'm gonna give you $1 billion, for me, I think I would be like, okay, Yep, I take my pants off. See, exactly, want my clothes yeah. too while you're at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so here you go. I'm I'm done. Yep. You know, and I don't blame these guys for doing that. I mean, Ballast Point started as a homebrew shop. If you don't know this, they started as a homebrew facility. They only sold ingredients. They made beer in the back of their product, in the back of their store, and people started coming and drinking their beer. And so they said, okay, let's open up a brewery. So they opened up a brewery, and here we are, 15 years later selling their brew 15 or thereabouts selling their brew rights and their distilled spirits for one billion dollars i mean that's that's the american dream right there that's exactly what we're all in it for so you can't blame those guys but you're right and it hasn't just been the last 15 years these big guys have been doing it. it's been since prohibition yes that these guys have been pushing these little guys away trying to dominate the market dominance it's just been an ongoing battle and there's been some regulations that have now just been suggested by these BMCs. And Matt, I think you can talk to that, where they're going to require smaller breweries to provide an ingredients list every time they make new beer to the FDA to approve. And the FDA is going to have to approve that, and then you're yeah. going to have to slap that on everything you sell outside your pro- outside your door. The funny thing about that was, is, I'm sorry. Huh. The funny thing about that is, before they used to say we well, don't want the ingredients on the bottle because it promotes alcoholism. So it's actually in a complete about face now. So yeah, I think it's it's mainly just trying to drag more and more places under places that can't afford to do uh, the research that would need to. I mean, a lot of times it's uh, the lab work that needs to go into it. They they want the whole nutrition sheet on exactly. the side of it. They yeah. want. The yeah, cereal box side written there on on everything, yeah. That's and really it's something. Big guys. Yeah, it does it yeah. because they have the labs that can be able to do that. They have everything there. They want it so that you know every batch that you go through, you go through uh, you know verified alcohol testing. It's not just OG and uh, original gravity and final gravity. Okay, this is my alcohol. No, they want to go through you know spectroscopy or whatever that they're going to go through gas chromatography. You're going to find out whatever your uh, your your final gravity or your alcohol percentage actually is. They want you to do that every time to verify this batch is this. If you're going to put it on that thing, you can't be plus plus or minus 0.1% alcohol. It's like, you know, I can't test that every time. Right. Nobody can test that every time. Well, no, people can, but it's not... Didn't one of the big guys just get in trouble? Because I thought there was a, uh, a law that said, look, if you say it's 4% alcohol, it could be 4% plus or minus 
you know, 0.2 or 0.3 or point whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And they were always right at the bottom of whatever it was. So, you know, if it's 4% plus or minus, you know, 0.2, uh -huh. they were always, always, always exactly 3.8 because they could dial <laughs> it in, right? Yeah. So, so they, could they could get away with it. Right? The big guys were, were playing those kind yeah. of games and they got slapped for it. And then well, another thing that they've been doing too is, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, promotions. So people like uh, 100 and... Uh, brewing company who distributes mm -hmm. they've been paying their the big breweries like the BMCs have been paying their rights for advertising yeah giving them $200,000 to to buy all the promotional stuff if they sold their beer before they sold any other buddy else's beer yeah what was it a uh, 97 98% if if 97 or 98% of all the beer that they sold that year was owned by An Anheuser-Busch or InBev um, they would pay for all their marketing, which was, I think, in a couple cases, up to $200,000. So That's people right crazy. off the bat were yeah. like, you know what? Here, I'll drop Sierra Nevada. I'll drop Stone because I'm getting $200,000 more a year. And, uh, you know, that's technically not against the law because they're not interfering directly and paying them off. But in a way, they are. Yeah. And It's sad. It's yeah. a sad state of affairs when you have to resort to that kind of Payola. fighting. When your product sucks and you, have, you can't go product to product, you have to go elsewhere to get... The, the, the leverage. Yeah, plus the thing about increasing the sort of yeah. licensing costs of, uh, for analyzing beer and other things is it stifles creativity. It's like you can't, it makes it harder to come up with some new beer, some new, uh, and favors the the tried and true and the, uh, you know, big, big yellow producers. No, you, you, you got that right. No, it is. It's big, it's yellow swill. I mean, that's, it's, that's already prevalent in smaller breweries when you're talking about having to spend all the money on certain types of grains and certain types of hops and certain types of yeast. You're not, you're beholden to create something that's in that realm of those uh, ingredients. When you're a smaller brewery, when you're 15 barrel or less, I think you have more of a leeway to, to diverge or to get other types of beer in your genre than you would be if you were a bigger brewery. I think, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know what the cutoff would be, if it's 15, if it's 30, but when you get to be a little bit bigger and you're not still a big guy, you're still beholden to those recipes instead of trying to experiment out. So yeah. to your to your point, I mean, that's, that's also another thing you have and to look at. You, you can imagine, like, if you're a... Uh, if you're a chef in a little mom and pop diner and you've got to analyze every dish you make compared to TGI Fridays, it's got to do it once for you know, a dish that's distributed nationwide, you're screwed. Yeah. Good analogy, Bob. Now you're making me fucking hungry. <laughs> Here, let me give you. Let me give you the bag of pretzels. So, so, Ray, what's it like to 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 deal with these small um, breweries, or is it all done through distributors? What's what's the process of, of getting you know beers on tap from some of these really small guys? Um, the, I think one of the hardest things is we're closed Monday and Tuesday, so this causes issues with certain breweries. That would be Carton um, and Kane. Um, otherwise, I, I've developed great relationships with a lot of the other people. Uh, Conclave, Angry Eric's, uh, which we're drinking Angry Eric's Dragon Booty right now. Dragon uh, what? Booty. Ah, nice. Uh, Dragon 
the bootay. <laughs> yeah, actually, we hit uh, Equinox Brown yesterday, so or or Sunday, so you didn't get to try that one. I am so distracted because she's pouring this guy a beer. And she's never. Do you want to run up there, there and then yes, take care I'm of it? Have All right, to. We'll, we'll, let's see how back. she does. What the come hell? back when you're done. She got it. Once oh. or twice. Self-serve now? Yeah, self-serve. <laughs> <laughs> What's she, what is she pouring? No oh, I hope she's not Ray. pouring Rex. See if she's pouring Rex, because then I got to get out. <laughs> you want to go over there, man. We'll, we'll take a break now. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back and talk about the beer that you chose, um, which is Dragon Booty, and uh, we'll take a two and two. Yeah, sounds good. All right. <laughs> Because we're, 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 we're Warren's not doing anything right now. He's just, well done, Matt. That was good. You. I like that. Maybe we should use that more often. <laughs> Somebody's got to step up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm too busy over here talking about Dragon's Booty. <laughs> it's Bootay. It smells like Dragon's Booty, it says, when Matt says so. Bootay. So we're drinking a Russian, um, not a Russian imperial stout, but just an imperial stout. Mm. No, it's a porter. It's a porter. Okay. Yeah, we're not going to mince words on porter stout. Actually, there is a difference. But this is, this is an imperial porter. Okay. I mean, I don't have anything in front of me. I don't know. This is angry. You have anything in front of you. You have beer right in front of you. You have the Imperial Porter right in front of you. It, t- it smells like a <laughs> fucking Imperial Stout. It smells like it's Imperial and it smells like it's dark. It smells barrel. It's bourbon barrel yeah, Porter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Heidi make the claim on whether it's a Porter or Stout, so. Yeah, I'll allow that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to argue that point. Um, basically, eventually, it was always a porter. Stout was always a term uh, designated to big beers back in the day. And so it was a stout porter. Porter fell off and became stout. Porter remained, so it was a stout and a porter, etc., etc. Down the line, there's a fine line between Saturday night and Sunday morning, as I always say. You're not gonna know the difference. One man's porter is another man's stout. In this case, one woman's porter is another man's stout. Um, so we're drinking... What? What do you mean that? Heidi. She's the brewer of this. Oh. So Heidi over it's at Angry Eric has been putting out some stellar stuff lately. Um, and to segue into what our producer had asked you, how difficult it is to work with people. Do you work with distributors? Do you find it easier to work with distributors or work with directly the brewer of, of the company? Does it matter? It it really does matter because what I do, because I'm rotating 50 of them, it's hard to deal with distributors who don't stay in contact. They don't send me updated lists. Only one or two does, hundred and does. Uh, So basically you always got to be at them. What's new? What, you know, send me a list. Don't send me a list of everything knowing I'm going to pick stuff that's not available. So the hard thing is, is I need to know what's always available. If I took my taps like a lot of places do, and I put 
25 of them as standard taps, it would be much more easier. But since I don't, it means that I always have to constantly look for stuff. Um, Conclave's still very small, so when I get his, his stuff, it's fabulous. Uh, really well-made beers. I have really good relationship with Heidi at Angry Eric's and I have no problem getting stuff. Actually, she did us a favor by giving us the uh, Dragon Booty because not too many places got this beer. And it was given to us for our first annual Barrel Festival, yeah, which is really cool. And that just cool. happened November? November 14th, yes. How was that? That was really cool. The, the fascinating thing was more people came from over two to three hours away than most people in Jersey. Yes, we had a lot of people come from out of state to that. And we're surprised at what we had on tap. And sometimes, and it's a weird thing, and this is only my brain working and it's to offend nobody. I think a lot of people in the area think, oh, Phillipsburg. It does have a, a little downside over the years. It's P-Bird. Yes, P-Bird. <laughs> So, but that's not putting down anybody or anything. It just was, I just think people didn't think that, you know, what's going to be good in some unheard of tap room in somewhere in Phillipsburg. I'll, I'll disagree with you there. Um, I think Jersey, New Jersey, is probably one of the last states to evolve into craft beer. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people out there that don't know what craft beer is still in New Jersey. And I still think people don't understand what the movement is about yet in New Jersey. Now, you talk to people out west, obviously that's been going on for some time now. But I think the start of this whole movement for New Jersey and for this part of the country, including New York State, including uh, you know Vermont, and including Maine and Massachusetts and the whole Northeast, that it's just starting to get together now and saying, okay, now all this better... We're demanding better beer as a, as a culture. We're, we're starting to realize that the stuff that comes in cans is no longer the norm. The stuff that you can get on draft, like this dark, is not heavy, so to speak. It's flavorful. Um, they're not afraid to try it. It's just starting now. I still see in my store people coming in going, I never knew you could make your own beer. I didn't know this place you could do stuff like that. I didn't know about this. Can you do Budweiser? I'm like, well, you're better off going out and buying a pack because I can't make it as good as they can, but we can sure as hell make a great Pilsner. You know, and they, they're dumbfounded by that. They don't know the difference between an ale and a lager. They don't know the difference between an IPA and a pale ale. They, um, it's an educational thing, and that's why places like yours is very important for the state, regardless of where you are, whether it's Peaburg whether it's Morristown, whether it's Hackettstown, whether it's Newton, it doesn't matter where you are as long as you're putting out that information and, and making people more enlightened to this movement as a whole, that's when we'll start seeing change. As a matter of fact, we have four new or three new breweries coming into Hackettstown, which I hope someday I'll be able to come here, and I said this earlier in the podcast, that I'll be able to go, oh, I want Manskirt, I want... Zygmeister, I want Jersey Girl, I want Angry Eric's. That's all where I live. And they make that great beer. Like this beer today, we're drinking this Dragon's Booty, this uh, Imperial Porter. It's an Imperial Stout, Imperial Porter, whatever it is. It's delicious. There might be some 
imperfections to it, but that's what makes this beer this beer. And you can't find that in that swill that you drink out of a can. So that's where I'm coming from. I don't know, Matt, you're looking at me like I'm a... Well, like, like you're talking a lot, that's all. Like, yeah, I'm, just, so, I'm just sitting here like, I'll yes, please continue. It was a good, it was a good rant. I, like it. I, I, I just want to get back to something you asked. What is the line? And, and a lot of times that, that bugs me. I'll tell you what the line is right now, and I'm sitting on the fence. It's Founders. And when Sam Miguel bought up 30% of their stock, I had to sit there and think, well, who is Sam Miguel? So them, they I will keep on tap for a while. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because a lot of people are going to come in here and say, well, I thought, you know, you have founders, so what's the deal? And Sam Miguel, I don't think, tried to hurt the craft beer industry. No, Sam Miguel makes Soul. Is that their beer? Is that their beer? Yeah, they have. It's Latin America yeah. stuff. The SOL, I think, is their beer. Soul, Sun, whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other one, while I was thinking about it, I also have no problem with um, Duval, Moret, I don't know how that's totally pronounced, owning Omegang or them owning, um, what the hell is it, Tank 7? Uh, oh, Boulevard. 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 Yeah. It's one great craft brewery owning another one. Uh, I think Green Flash is part of uh, one of those kind of two different brewery mm. things. So there is some differences, you know, when, when it comes to that. And so right now I'm looking at founders, seeing what's going to happen. And if I see them trying to pull silly stuff, I'm just going to pull them off the tap. Well, that's the thing about beer, though. Time will tell when you're, when you're talking about like a buyout of a big company. Time will tell whether or not they start to cut corners in making their product. Whether they're looking for the bottom line or they're actually looking for better beer. It will tell over time. Look at what happened. Heineken was a privately owned company. They were awesome at what they did. They got bought out by a bigger company. Or not Heineken. um, The glass line jars. What are they? um, Oh, um... Rolling Rock. Rolling Rock. Rolling Rock was a private company that bought out by a big company. (laughs) They did away with their glass line jars. Not that that maybe made a difference in their stuff, but their beer started to deteriorate. Look at what's happened with... um, uh, They're still owned by the same company, but the brewery that's over in England, the Stout Maker. Oh, my God. Guinness? Guinness. They're making Stout. (laughs) (laughs) Ireland. Ireland, English, their English brewers started them. Hello. They're going to go over and kick your ass. I don't care. <laughs> the, the English started their brewery. It was an English brewer that started no, anyway. But you know, it now made in New, now made in the States, and it's a different product. Same thing with uh, Bass Ale. And Bass as well, yeah. Bass as well. They're, they're made, last I saw, they were made either upstate New York or a couple of other places. Yep. <laughs> I went and tried to find the Bass Brewery back in 2005. And there's still a museum over in Trent, Burton on, on Trent, but it's it's a Coors brewery now. Yeah, it's Coors. And yeah. they just have a museum. Yep. It's, it was very very disappointing. Yep. I mean, you could tell definitely back in the day when I was drinking Bass Ale, it was very flavorful, amberish, and it was lager amber, and it was just right on like IPA ish border, like a little bitter. Yeah, now, a little now bitter. You, now you taste it. It tastes like cardboard. Everything straight across yeah. the board. That's interesting because I keep wanting to do a flashback kind of Thursday thing and get one of them because that was my re-entry into the beer world. Right, you're not going to like it. No, uh, probably not, but still have thought about it. But every time I look at the tap list, I go, eh, nah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, um, speaking of which, let's go into this beer now um, and talk about what you don't like about it, Matt. I'm just going to sit here staring at one. <laughs> I got the evil eye there, no. There's, just, there's something in the middle there. Um, I mean, you could definitely taste from the very beginning that it's a, it's... It's a big beer. Mm-hmm. It's got that imperial stout, imperial quarter quality to it, and mm-hmm. it's got some barrel in there. But there's something in the middle that, I don't know if it's a licorice flavor or if it's something in there. You know what I think it is? What? Umami. You think? It tastes like the dead meat yeast cell. You, you think that's what's going on? A little bit. Because there's, there's something in that middle that it just gives a, a twist. Not like a twist that you would think is a... Bye, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Not you guys. You get, keep listening. Um, <laughs> Take care, Diane. <laughs> uh, there's just there's something in the, in the middle there that kind of just it, it distinctly switches flavors and kind of moves it around, pulls it into it, like, and then throws it back out at you as, as a, a barrel-aged beer. It's got a great beginning. It's got a nice finish to it, but there's... There's something there like, in the middle. That, yeah, I'm getting like an umami flavor almost, like as if it sat on yeasts for like a very if long I, if time. I have, if I have a light beer that has umami in there, um, there's there's something that, you know, I, I can tell that there's that umami. But for some reason, a darker beer, I have a difficulty pulling that out. It may very well be what, what that is. I think there's a lot of other flavors kind of coming through that kind of covers it up to distinctly no, yeah, no, say umami or something like that. I like, I like the fact that this beer... Smells like a, an imperial stout. It's yeah. got that. Um, I'll say this, and that I, I, I basically just smelled it, and 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 not much else. But I could tell there's something in there that to me reminds me of barrel aged spirits. That is maybe just a little off putting. Um, I think that's the middle that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And right? there, these are. It's is it a bourbon barrel? It is a bourbon yes. barrel. Yeah, yep. And and maybe that's it because you're getting. Yeah. The vanillins oh, and stuff like yeah. that, not just the oak, but the vanillins and some of the the vanillins from the bourbon itself that that, that kind of come in and, and it melds with everything and it's something that if you're not a fan of bourbon you'll pick up and it may kind of ruin it for you. Me yeah. personally, I like bourbon and this actually this beer. To me, is nice and smooth, and it's, it's it's got the vanilla flavors, it's got the oak flavors, but it's got the the, the roasty porter flavors, and it all Charmer. kind of pulls to build, pulls together for me. There's that middle flavor that I'm getting, and it's blah. It's like blah on the sides of my tongue. Like it just that's the best word I can describe. It's not mm. bad flavor. It's just uh. blah across the middle of my tongue, and it, it coats. Com- it's, it's great in the beginning. Yep. It's great, great in to the end. It's, off. Just, it's that, just that center. That center. I don't know, I don't know what's center, really going but, on there. I'm getting it across my tongue like it's a leftover piece of like like after you swallow eating meat. It's that flavor that I have across my tongue, and that's that's umami. That's yeast cell. That's autolysis flavor. That's hmm? <laughs> Tina. Can I have some? Can I have some? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's Tina a decent beer. I, I would have more than one if I were yeah, to have more. Right if this was on draft, I would definitely drink more than take one. That away from her. I'm not. I'm not degrading her ability to make beer because no, this absolutely. is a solid she beer. She makes some fantastic. No, this is. Yeah, yeah, this I, is. I think this is a one and done. It's not even on the website. Yeah, it is a one and done. But I like this. I, I mean, I could drink this again and again. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. It's just got that that home brewer's touch. 
you know, it's not as clean as it can be, in my opinion. I agree. I think, you know, it, it maybe, that's, a, maybe that's not a bad thing, actually. No, no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's not as clean as it can be. Yeah. Here's a question for Matt, the prover. Is it hard to, is it hard to work with barrels? Because barrels... You know, each absolutely. Yeah, I mean, is it is it you could end up with it's as hard like, as yeast. Wow, I, I brewed the best batch of beer in the world, and I put it into the barrels this year, and then I use a different set of barrels next year, and it's the worst beer I ever made. Right. Even with the same barrel, you yeah. end up with well, yeah, different flavors. Of, like, and I think of sour. The, we yeah. we have our our club sour sour barrel, and you could actually, if we had actually done a a vertical, if somebody had saved bottles, and I don't think anybody has, but with our club barrel, you can actually taste the changes in barrel over the several years that we've had it where the first batch had a lot of the red wine sour to it and toward the end of it you get more oak just because you're reusing the barrel so depending on what the barrel was used for and when they got it and how long it's been sitting could influence you know blow off the barrel. i mean you're looking, at, you're looking at a ton of different things i mean you can there's a ton yeah there's a ton more you, than you just can, loss of oak flavor who knows how many barrels they've made of this beer? Whether they blended them all together to each other to make one big beer. I mean, you have a wood barrel. You know all the different variations of wood. You've cut down a tree, I'm sure. You've looked at, you know, some pieces of wood are darker than others, whatever. The way the bourbon's aged on them, the recipe that was used for them. Sometimes if, you're, if you have a great porter or something like that, or a brown ale, or an IPA, or a blonde ale, whatever you want to put into this thing barley wine you're going to want to change that recipe to age it in a barrel because sometimes a sweeter beer works really well in that so by putting a great beer into a barrel it doesn't always work but also how you're putting it into the barrel whether you're purging that barrel of co2 um, how long it sits in there how you rinse that barrel if you even rinse that barrel beforehand how long it was sitting before bur- since bourbon was put into it all these little tiny things create a big difference in your final product volume fill volume yeah how much evaporation happens? Maybe this stave was a little bit leakier than the others, and you ended up with five gallons less than one of the other ones, and you have more room for oxidation. Could yeah, even be more. where the uh, bur- barrel was aged when it had the bourbon in it, because you know, depending on where it is in the house, age There's quicker, age slower. There's a lot of variables um, there. In the interest of keeping a great relationship with Heidi and Eric. I think it's phenomenal. Oh no, it is. It is no, no, we're not. We're not destroying this at all. I'm talking about how difficult it is to make a bourbon barrel beer, no. <laughs> and the fact that they made a beer that you know starts great and finishes. No, I'm, great, I'm just that's saying. She's going to probably yell at me. Did you hear what they said? No, it's <laughs> not. No, she would take it in terms of criticism. She's a scientist. Yeah, she's <laughs> really good at what she no, does. But this, yeah, this is all like right up my alley. Um, I will have, like I said, I will have more than one of these. Yeah. Um, this is definitely reminiscent of a Baltic Porter. Uh, an imperial stout, and if she wants to call it an imperial porter, so be it. I mean, it's just, it's got that licorice, raisin, special bee flavors that come out in this very malty, dark, chocolatey, sensuous beer that starts off great, finishes great, and you know makes you feel happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. So yeah, <laughs> I love the uh, I love the bourbon. On the nose. Yep, and you know, yeah. I would I would they say to her, you know, don't just... don't change a thing. Try it no, again. It, Do it, it again. A, it's actually your yeah. second barrel beer so far. Yeah. Um, the Vanagander was the first, uh, which is a very distinct, different taste as far as you know barrel aging in any type of Belgian. Um, it's very interesting. So if you get a chance, 
give it a shot. Maybe do you have the Vinegander on draft? Yes, I do. Maybe we do that one for our last one. Segue into a break. So when we come back, Ray, I want to say thank you for hosting tonight. Um, we're going to finish up with a beer. You're more than welcome to join us. I know you got some things to do. Go ahead, Carl. I was going to say thank you for opening this place. Yeah, thanks for opening this place. Um, <laughs> and I promise we'll talk to the president of NJ Hobbs. Maybe we can come here and have a meeting of sorts. Um, I'm sure we can. Yep. Um, and then uh, when we, we come back, that committee. who's on the committee? <laughs> when we come back, I wanted to do something else. Other, I wanted to do three different breweries tonight. But if you're recommending the Vanagander, that's been on my mouth all night long. I actually you thought have this been constantly saying Vanagander, 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 Vanagander. So maybe we plug Heidi again and uh, over over well, at you can, uh, Lafayette. My thing was, or you know what, try we'll do? it. We'll try the Rex, and then maybe we'll have the Vanagander for our uh, happy hour. Oh, you're gonna mess with the Rex, are you? He Big said that if someone's pouring the Rex, he's got to be over there. Mm-hmm. Um, there, for some reason, it's it. Actually, when it got pulled, I don't think that enough carbonation got released so it's tending to foam right now oh okay because it was pulled off of a tap it sat and then it went from 26 pounds down to 14. so the rex is red red. yes it's an imperial red is that aged on oak as well um i think still think it's a bourbon is it i have to look that up I know well, you we'll had this. We'll look this up. Yeah, we'll and, look this uh, up. We'll, we'll get, get back, back to y'all. We'll, we'll be back after. Yeah, yes, the, the owner <laughs> does not know what the beer is. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Again, right? Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Monster of the River, or AKA Vanagander, from Angry Eric's. We got a little sample from Ray here. Um, he said we needed to try this. I don't have any information on this beer, what it is, or if it's barrel aged or not. I think it is. It's a big it's definitely beer. barrel aged. Yep. Um, but it's a big, yeah. big beer. What would you say it is? Barley wine. Hmm. It could definitely be classified as a barley wine. Um, whatever ends up falling under barley wine, scotch yeah. ale, yeah. you know, yep. some, uh, wee heavy, some, something along that. But It's definitely got to be uh, something like a scotch wee heavy. But it's up there. It's got a nice caramelly um, flavor to it. Yeah. A little smoke in the background. I don't oh, think you're, you're going to go with smoke on this one? I don't think it's smoked malt. <laughs> I'm going with smoke flavor. Okay. Which I think is a barrel age. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's not bad. I mean, I, I, I couldn't drink more than one of these. These would probably knock me on my... No, I think it would knock you on your ass. Uh, um, no, on my dragon booty. On your dragon booty? Yes. <laughs> Vanagander's going to knock me on my dragon oh. booty. What you're saying is if you drink the Vanagander, you'll be dragon booty? Yes. I'll be dragging <laughs> you'll my be booty. You'll be dragon booty. So um, <laughs> I want to recant what I said earlier in the session. I said we're going to plug Heidi. Um, I meant we're going to give her some props. Um, 
Because we were... So she's going to plug this out? <laughs> we were... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> we were talking about laying pipe earlier in the show. And then someone brought up the fact that I said plugging Heidi, which doesn't really... It means promoting her beer. I think people understood yes, that Yes, I hope so. <laughs> so I apologize for that. Um, but anyway, this is a big beer. Oh my God, she's making some big beer. Yeah. A lot Braving of beers tend to be up there. Edge Belgian Brown, 6.1%. Belgian Brown, 6.1%. It's not huge. No, but so it's a big beer. So is it making it taste that way, what, with the... Bourbon. With, with the bourbon barrel. It's got to be coming in with yeah. the barrel. Yeah. It's 6.1% without the bourbon in it, but with the bourbon in it, I'm sure if there was any bourbon yeah, it wouldn't jump there. it up that much, but still. Six it, and a half? It, it just, it has that little bit of heat to the background to it. I think that's what, that that's what's really making us feel that that, yeah. But that's Belgian? Belgian? So Belgian what's the, brown? Yeah, what's the Belgian yeast doing in this case? In the barrel and all that fun stuff. Okay. I don't know. Ray, you know Ray what? says now, they now did. that now that I've been told it's a Belgian T fifty eight you can you can you can taste it in the back the, the barrel covers up a lot of it peppery it's almost like I'm not getting a banana or bubblegum on it or whatsoever it's like there's a big thick lake of black ooze and the Belgian was dropped right in the middle and it's like oh. you, have, you, you can see right there before the barrel flavor is covering it up it's like weirdest it's got the weirdest analogy. <laughs> This, like, is what goes, this is what goes on through my head. Like we're in freaking uh, Ghostbusters. It's no, got it's that like, primordial, it, it's, primordial it's the thickness, ooze. It's the thickness of the beer here that I'm thinking of. But that, that's the way I think of it. It's like this little Belgian guy is sitting there going, help me. Where is he falling right there? Help me, granddad. Help me, granddad. <laughs> help me, help me grab my bag of smoked <clears throat> I think I think you owe us a recant or an apology. Yeah, okay. Um, let me just make this quick. There's no smoked malt in uh, Fireside Chat. I'm sorry about that. I looked it up, and uh, my grandkids won't have to call me granddad anymore. <laughs> Don't worry, I was wrong on multiple occasions on that podcast. So it doesn't really matter. But we won't have to bring those up. Um, Let's move on. Yeah, but there is there is a slight hint of Belgian in the back of this. Uh, very well put together. I love the flavors coming through. It's this. great. This beer is um, awesome. Yeah, and for a 6.1%, well done for all the flavors that you could pull in out of this beer. Yep. It's Heidi, fantastic. I want this recipe, so if you're listening. If you're listening, Warren is waiting with Beersmith open to hold on to that recipe yep. for a clone. Yep, absolutely. Well done. Well done. Okay, what now, do we have next? Last but not least, we have the Vanagander. No, we already did that. Oh, yeah, we just did that. <laughs> you um, just love that word, don't you? I love saying Vanagander. Um, when I we have Wheel of Fortune, I Vanagander. We have um, the Clown Shoes. Clown Shoes Rex. Rex. Yes. Rex. And what is Rex? Rex is an Imperial Red. Imperial Red. <laughs> Which means it's fucking big. And I'm getting to the point where I'm going to start slurring and breathing. It's okay. It's okay, Warren. I'm driving. Darth Vader has returned. Yeah. yeah. Um, Darth Wilson. No, you need a better name. I think, I think it's um, Darth Sidious. Darth Ridiculous. Darth Helmet. Darth Helmet. Mm, there you go. We'll go with that. <laughs> well, that's interesting. It's very similar to the Manigander. A little bit more fruity. Okay, let's see here. Let's the. Uh, oh boy, it's have a little right uh, beer with your head. Hmm. There we go. It again. is a little bit more fruity. Um. Imperial is definitely 
very malty. It's got a very very malty quality. Um, it's, got a, it's almost like a spicy carameliness to the, yes. to the, to the Oh, and the heat I get in the back of my throat mm. right away. It's like I just had a Almost hot like pepper a, or pepperoni. Like a cinnamony. Yes, like I got a pepperoni in the back of my throat. <laughs> I don't think you want to say pepperoni in the back of your throat if you're a guy. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out. <laughs> Warren did eat pepperoni pizza earlier today. Maybe that's yeah. what he's going for. But uh, I'm thinking yeah, of the little you, are slice. You talk, like, are you talking <laughs> sliced pepperoni in the back of your throat? No, he's talking about one of those. One of, Big, no, I'm not. He's talking about those, those double-sized sausages that you find in shops. Those double-sized right? sausages. You're, you're talking the one that's bent over in the package, yeah, right? That's, yeah, that's yep. doubled over in half. Yep, doubled yeah. over in half and just shoved down my throat now. It's it's a slice of pepperoni from a pizza that's greasy as hell. <laughs> it sat in my stomach. It turned my stomach all the way here. I thought you I was going to puke. I've got some analogies. I wasn't, I wasn't really going to know. And then, and then I bought some fake puke. And I put puke down on the ground, and, and I made a puke sound like this. And then I was really bad because everybody saw that I puked. And everybody was puking on one another in the movie theater. It was horrible. <laughs> what movie is that from? You lost me. Doonies, come on. Best movie ever. Ever. Yes, I'm back on quoting movies. Okay. But anyway, so we're at this Rex, okay? <laughs> okay. Um... California Rex, T-Rex, clown shoes. Clown shoes is Massachusetts, not California. Um, it's got scents of like an, a, an imperial stout. Is that that raisiny? It's got a lot. Of, yeah. Um, very thick mouthfeel. I'm getting, I'm getting like a cinnamony, cinnamon-ish, like big red heat. Almost as if it was. Uh, Infused with chips that have been soaking in Goldschlager. I don't know if I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit. My, I don't know. If I'm gonna hit my nose on that one. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> the other time you said Goldschlager when we were talking about something a while back. That hit you right. That hit me right in the nose. Like, yeah, I can hear you there. But no, no, no. I'm not sure about this one. No, no, it's not Goldschlager. I can't really quite put my finger on it. It's a big beer, though. The color is of almost like. A deep brown. Yeah, I would say um, red, garnet. Huge garnet. You like that word. You've used that word many times. Well, it uh, garnet has a special little spot in my heart. Because he did his eighth grade science project on garnet. Uh, he did n- ninth grade. Nin- oh, it was it was it was even later. Ninth grade. Ninth grade. Science. Oh, so you were you were a teenager then. Fourteen. Well, years I wasn't. Old? I wasn't in my twenties in ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. I keep forgetting you're only like 20 right now. So. <laughs> um, How do you make this beer? I don't know. I it, don't either. And this isn't just, oh, it's late in the day. I've got no idea how to do anything right now. Um, I would say probably a, a good base malt. The flavors coming through on the back end are what's confusing me. No, me too. And I would say probably a high crystal. At a low dose, no more than three percent. You probably you probably have an eighty in there. You've got or a, a sixty in there. You're probably not doing anything lower than that. You're you're getting those solid mid caramels, but it's that that background flavor. You, I mean, it's obviously barrel aged. Yep, but it's got it's got this but spicy that spicy cinnamony, cinnamony heat to it. You getting the clown shoes demos on there? 
Let's see if I can find it. So, are they use any spices on it? No, it's okay. It's just sideways. We like dinosaurs. We especially like. Dedicate this imperial red aged in Heaven Hill and four rose bourbon barrels to you. I've aged stuff in four roses before. Haven't aged stuff in Heaven Hill. Um, they don't say anything about any other weird little spicy stuff in there. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly where the cinnamon's coming from, but yeah, definitely barrel age. It's got that. It's got that vanilla-y, bourbon-y, uh, you know, slightly sweet caramel flavor to it. It's a definitely. Yeah. It's a bigger beer. It's got it's some mahogany red. Yeah, garnet. <laughs> now you're pulling out my words, um, but bourbon and caramel right up front in the nose. Yeah, but it's. I, it's, mean, it's, I, I don't know. What's going on with that spiciness? That, I mean, that's what's throwing me. It's bourbon right up front in the nose. I mean, it's, and then the caramel comes through and covers that sweet, puts more sweetness in there. There's cinnamon in there. This is going to be like last There's episode. no cinnamon in There's it. smoked malted. <laughs> there's cinnamon in the Rex. <laughs> I, think there's, I think it's hop characteristic that you're tasting. I think there's think probably so? a little bit more flavor hops. To me, in the dead one. center tastes like I'm chewing on Big Red. <sighs> now the commercial's running through my head. No, I know. Kiss a little. Go ahead. Just a little okay. longer. Hold tight a little longer. Longer with big red. That big you think red we can get um <laughs> Your fresh breath goes on and on. While you chew it, say goodbye a little longer. Hold uh, tight a little longer. Last a little longer. Last a little longer. With big red. With big red. He's a better singer. Why oh, thank you. <laughs> so you've had nothing but I get, was every beer a barrel beer tonight? Yeah, yeah. I, it, basically leftover from November fourteenth barrel age. That's, yeah. So we, we kind of did that though. We kind of looked at what they had on the list and yeah. said, "What do they have in common?" And it's funny, we picked the beers that were all barrel aged. Yeah. Which was really cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. what's your what's your uh, final analysis? Given the differences between these, of either the complexities of barrel aging or the choosing the right barrel or or making beers of this style, it, it almost seems like the 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 bigger maltier beer did better. The bigger maltier beers did better on oh, the, the, big, on the bigger bur- bigger maltier beers definitely do better in barrel aging. I feel that when you start barrel aging something, you're definitely going more into the wine category, not necessarily in flavors, but in the idea that every time you're going to barrel age something, you're going to have a vintage of it. There's going to be different flavors coming through this because the barrels are going to be slightly different. Um, and depending on how many barrels you're blending together, I mean, if you're someone like Goose Island and you're blending thousands of barrels together, you're going to get a very consistent flavor one year to the next. But if you're someone blending 20 barrels together to make one year's version of a barrel-aged beer, it's going to be very vintage between each, even, each year that you're putting even, stuff Even out. at that level... You're still talking some kind of sort of a little consistency yeah. with that beer that you're doing. I mean, 20, your brewing can be very consistent year to year. It's just aging it on that barrel has so many other variables that you're throwing in. When you're doing a club brew, if you have a club barrel, every year is going to be different. I mean, it's yeah. going to be different, different, different because the barrel changes over time. Well, you're talking about that one specific single barrel. barrel. You're exactly. Using, you're using that exact same barrel, even if you used the. The same, the same style barrels, of yep. barrel that was used once or whatever you're the next year, you're still going to have some variation on so it. I think the biggest takeaway here is that if you're going to barrel age as a brewer, professionally or home brewer, you're taking a risk. 
and you really have to understand the nuances of what could happen with those barrels. If you don't have any experience with it, try it. Don't be afraid to try no, it. absolutely not. Try it, because it's definitely worth that experience. And once you get a, a foothold on how to work a barrel or how to use a barrel, it's not as easy as just taking a beer and throwing it in a barrel and saying, okay, I'm done, and then taking the beer out and, and serving it. It's not. You have to actually watch that barrel. You can't just sit that barrel in the corner and say, that beer is going to stay there forever. You have to make sure that that barrel doesn't leak. You have to make sure that the barrel is swollen. You have to make sure that the angel share is not falling away. And if it is, you want to take precaution and fill it with some more of the same kind of beer. It's not an easy process. You want to make sure that there's nothing inside the barrel that's starting to sour. You want to make sure that it's not going to start getting oxidized. You want to pull it at the right point. Um, there's plenty of little variables right. on top of it that you want to be looking at. But the, the big thing is, is that to take a beer that's fantastic by itself and throw it into a barrel, a lot of people think, oh, a barrel-aged version automatically right. is better. No. Not necessarily. Nope. You can make a we beer have that's that average, yeah. make it a little bit sweeter on a recipe, throw it into a barrel, and it's you know ten times better. If you... If you yeah. want to get a more consistent view in your home brewer, try buying chips, soaking them in some bourbon, and then using those chips in your beer. Yeah. You'll get a more consistent flavor that way. You won't have to worry about oxidation. You won't have to worry about infection. Um, but when you're using a barrel, if you're using either a 2.5-gallon, 3-gallon, 5-gallon, 10-gallon, 50-gallon, 65-gallon, whatever size barrel you're using, you have to work that barrel. You can't just sit in the corner. And again, that's, that's the same kind of concept that I have with sour beers. People that make beer that turns sour and call it a sour, that's not really a sour beer. No, that's an affected beer. That's an affected beer. You gotta, you gotta mean to do your sour right. beer. Right, so taking a, a sour ale and trying to make a sour ale, that's just it. So we're saying goodbye to some of our, our, our guests here tonight. Thank you, Tina, and thank you, Chris, for so, stopping by. We will see you soon, alright, brother? Okay, yeah. Oh, they're making out. Take care. Bye, everybody. We'll see you. We'll see you. All right, Bye, thanks for stopping Chris. by. We'll Bye, see you soon. Tina. Chris, next Monday? Yeah. All right, brother. Um, so, you know, it's not as easy as taking a beer and throwing it in a barrel and saying, you know, I, I barrel age stuff without paying attention to it. I'm afraid that's what happens at, at small yeah, people, breweries. People have the, the extreme looks at it. They think right. that barrel aging, you add on to it, it's going to be fantastic. Barrel aging, I'm too afraid to do that. Right. There's no in between. It's like, yeah, you know, let's, let's play around with this. There are a few people that do that, but you got to have that experimental feel to it. You got to, you got to have the chance of saying, you know what, I'm going to take this beer that's perfectly fine for me to drink right now and take a chance on it, yep. and could potentially need to dump that yep. beer because of everything I've done. Yep. Oak chips have the potential of being extremely too oaky. You got to play around with that too. If you're yep. taking fresh oak chips and you're using them. So it's always, it's always good to use a second run, yeah. a second run round of oak. Pull some oak, pull some of that into the bourbon and just drain it off the bourbon and just use the chips because then you've pulled a lot of that tannic flavor from the oak, fresh right. oak, right into your bourbon, and now you're just throwing the chips in there, which would be great for your beer. Exactly. Um, I've actually heard do try it the other way around, which is put the put the chips in the bourbon, mm -hmm. right? Get that bourbon extra oaky, and then pour it into your finished beer until such time as you think it's about right now and then you stop and then that way you are controlling the amount of barrel flavor lots of flavor tannins getting. lots of tannins you do get a lot, yeah. lots yeah. of tannins from the first like that bourbon is fantastic I don't know if you ever had soaked chips in bourbon and then yeah. use the chips in your beer and then drink that bourbon yeah. it's just holy god that's yeah. like oak 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 tannic 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 right, like right, you're right. puckering your mouth 
Yeah, it's almost right. like drinking a lemon. Yeah, you, you're so about you're to say, dry. So you're, say, you're saying that, it, that so that so that theory that you have more control if you use the the bourbon that was soaked in the oak rather than putting the the it's, oak it's into the difference the beer. between taking a fresh barrel and soaking your beer into that fresh barrel, or taking a bourbon used barrel and soaking it. The alcohol from your bourbon is pulling out those start tannin those yeah. original tannins from there that would uh, normally be weird in a beer, but are great in you know, in the bourbon. bourbons because right. they've already pulled that out of the fresh barrel. And, and you know, it's not, it's not only bourbon barrels. There's whiskey barrels. Oh, yeah, whiskey, rum. If you don't know the difference between whiskey and bourbon, look it up. Yeah. Well, there's, we had a Pinot Noir barrel There's tonight. wine barrels. Yep, yeah. Pinot Noir. And there's many different types of wine barrels. There's white wine barrels, red wine barrels, and many different types of each. I mean, our club uses a Merlot. R- rum, rum barrels, I've heard people use. I, rum barrels. I want to get into aging on rum barrels eventually. We did um, rum with uh, cider for our club and that came out fabulous absolutely fabulous interesting stuff though but most of the stuff that we pull from our barrel is all oxidized how do you combat that you got to learn do we have an answer not right now not right now yep so next time we do it we just got to make sure that we keep topping off who knows yeah who knows if that's going to be the trick but uh tonight has been uh, pretty neat this is the first time that we did away from our studio uh, I think we did pretty good for the being on the fly. We had. I think so too. I think we looked at a list and we said, you know what, let's go with big beers. And it turned out that all the big beers were bourbon beers. And then we <laughs> said, okay, or barrel barrel aged beers. And we said, okay, let's make it a barrel aged night. So yeah, it's pretty I think neat. It went, it went really well. Um, speaking of barrel aged nights, NJ Hop's next meeting has a barrel aged um, guru who's going to come in and talk about barrel aging and souring ale. So if you're interested, yeah. it's the first Wednesday of uh, next month. February. February. Um, and uh, 7.30 at Homebrew University. Yep. But for now, calling in from Gnarly Brews in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, 224 Stockton Street. See, I remember. Yeah, this big do head remember. of mine doesn't... Uh, See, I'm sitting here staring at the brick going, I don't even know what he's saying right now. Right. Phillipsburg, New Jersey. <laughs> I hope you've uh, enjoyed the show. I know we have. It's time for us to uh, skedaddle now. It's kind of late and we want to let this guy uh, this poor guy that's hosted us go home thank you to ray peggy and megan thank you very much and thank you heidi from angry eric's for this awesome night of drinking your great libations we look forward to more innovative beer from you and matt thank you for coming tonight and i can't wait till you open that's what i do i just hang out you know <laughs> um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hackestown is going to be quite the scene in the surrounding cities. Phillipsburg, we'll Washington, Newton. Cheers, guys. Cheers, everybody. Yep, Good night. Enjoy. Got to get out to try these bar, these beers. And come by Gnarly Brews. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you. And see. Yeah. <laughs> and you're my father, and I love you, I love you, I love you. Did you ever see that? Yes, I've seen that. Who hasn't? Who here in this room of three people right now has not seen him?
that one go <laughs> and we're never gonna tell her that you said it <laughs> that's, that's not gonna be the last thing on the podcast right <laughs>